Hello and welcome to the, this episode of the Stew with JT Brew NHL Around the Ice with Toast and JT. We're getting ready to recap week two and kind of a little new format we got going for you. Stick with us, you're in the stew. Uh, you up on trades and why you move? You ain't designed to lose. Find you jumping over seemingly nothing, racking up points, makes the game a little more fun to watch. Can drop release. We started with the mock draft and now we making a mockery of the leaderboard. Quite obviously not a scrub to start an institute. Make evaluations like a commissioner do. It's to the point your wife make you watch in a different room. Update your roster and pick and choose when you get some news. Not much that we enjoy more than sifting through sifting through new statistics to make it to our end zones through different groups. Universities, institutes, down to homies who clicking groups. I introduce Hey Toast, thanks for joining me tonight. Usually a Wednesday night show. We're jumping in on a Monday night uh, to kind of bring you week two recap and some action. Thanks for being with me. Absolutely. Uh, It's been an exciting first two weeks of hockey. And uh, I think uh, listeners are really going to like our new format tonight. So, uh, Appreciate you having me on, JT. Yeah, let's jump into that. A little something we're going to try to do here, uh, starting off the season uh, as we get going. So I'm going to explain it to you. We're calling it uh, JT and Toast 5-on-3, 2-man advantage is the segment. So how we're going to do this segment is we're going to go through, we're going to give you five different topics, and then we're going to give you three perspectives on each of those topics. First one will be a hockey perspective. The second uh, topic will be fantasy. How does that affect your fantasy team? And number three is going to be a gambling perspective on how we kind of take a look at that. So this is going to be kind of our new format, breaking it down um, five different topics in three different ways throughout the show. Uh, if you got any comments or anything you want us uh, to know or got any ideas of stuff you want us to cover, feel free to hit us up on X, me at JT Orange, uh, Brian Toast Clark there at Toast Clark on the X Feel free to hit us up and give us any of those ideas or anything like that. But before we kind of get crazy, get going here, a deep dive into this. So let's jump into something the NHL is doing new. Going to try for the first time tomorrow on Tuesday. It's called the NHL Frozen Frenzy. 32 teams in action all on one night. 16 games going tomorrow. NHL version of the Red Zone hosted by Kevin Weeks. Game start at 6 p.m. Eastern. Last game of the night as at 11 p.m. Eastern. NHL is staggering every game time on the starts to kind of give them a chance to kind of catch up on things. Philadelphia plays on the last game of the night, which is, like I said, the 11 o'clock game. Oh, that's a late, late one for the Phillies fans. <laughs> so those East Coast fans hope they uh, are, are going to be pumped up, got either their coffee or their Red Bulls ready to go. But what do you think about this idea? Kind of a crazy different thing the NHL is going to try to do here this season. So I think it's awesome uh, that NHL is doing all they can, JT, to promote their game and promote their players. Uh, in, in accordance to the rest of the, in comparison to the rest of the other leagues, they don't do a great job with that, promoting their players, uh, promoting their game, in my opinion, is uh, in relationship to, uh, in comparison to the, the NHL or the uh, NBA, uh, MLB, um, and even the NFL, they're, they're kind of fourth fiddle with that. So uh, the red zone is a great idea by them. Um, now, I'm wondering how it's going to go. Uh, they used to run some form of red zone, if you will, comparison when the NHL, um, they, they had their own nightly show. Um, but a lot of it was on tape delay, maybe like literally like two or three minutes after it happened and maybe sometime even more. So what we know with the red zone is it's almost instant. You know, it, it's 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 
darn near live. So I'm curious on how they're going to do that. Uh, if they can get it timed down right to where they can show these goals and bounce around and it's only within maybe let's say 20 to 30 seconds of them happening, it'll be super impressive. Uh, that would be awesome. And, and especially with 16 games going um, all at once. I've never seen that before. Um, I, I don't ever recall all 16 teams playing in one night. I could be wrong. Maybe could have happened, but I, I don't remember that. And man, to be a Philly fan, uh, an 11 o'clock Eastern start, Philadelphia, um, th that's insane. Uh, now, I remember staying up real late for some Blackhawks games uh, back during their dynasty run where they'd be in these third three overtime uh, playoff games and it'd be 115 in the morning. And I'm sitting here like on beer 12, you know, so uh, it was always a whole lot of fun. But, man, I'm, I'm pretty pumped for Frozen Frenzy. I, I think the NHL's done a great thing here. Man, as someone who's a formal journalist, a producer, used to work in, you know, the editing room, man, those producers are going to be scrambling to try to get those tapes edited and get that stuff put together. Uh, it's going to be wild. Uh, the fact that they're trying it with every game on the first night is a huge undertaking. I'm a little surprised that they're trying to do that much all at once, that they're not kind of like working their way up to it. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. And if they can pull it off, if they can make it um, enjoyable and watchable, uh it's going to be great. I mean, we've always said it, you know, hockey is like, how many times do you actually see the goal as it happens? Mm -hmm. you, everybody always feels like, oh, I looked away for two seconds and that's when the goal happened and you always got to watch the replay. So if they can figure out how to show all these goals, that'd be great. And obviously they're going to have some downtimes uh, between goals. So, you know, little different in the red zone where, you know, you don't have a red zone, obviously maybe they'll kind of link it to where they jump on power plays would be my guess. Maybe that's the yep. thing. If there's not a goal that's up and ready to be cut and shown that maybe they'll jump into games that are on the power play. To me, that makes the most sense. That's the most equal to that red zone as far as the NFL is concerned. But if I think, you know, as a fan, I want to warn people, don't give up on it. If it's not great right away, like it's yeah. going to take some time to work out the kinks. It always does with this kind of stuff. You, you never want to just be like, oh, one and done. Like, oh, it wasn't everything I thought it was going to be. It wasn't as entertaining as, you know, the NFL red zone. So I just think, you know, caution fans to give it some time. It's going to take them a while to get their feet wet and kind of figure out how do we make this thing flow. So, but I think it's a great idea. I love the idea. Now I'm used to being the guy that's up late. I mean, we, me and you are always texting yeah. and I'm always like on these West coast games that start at like nine 30 central time. And I'm always watching the West coast games, but man, that, yeah, that Philly game at 11 o'clock Eastern start time. I mean, I watch 11 o'clock games all the time on the West coast, but man, it's going to be interesting to see uh, on a Tuesday night, what kind of crowd they get out uh, for a game like that. Yeah, and they they have a lot of they're like I said they're staggering those games. Uh, so it's I th I think it's maybe every fifteen to twenty minutes a game's going to start, you know. And that's uh I mean honestly, I, I'm a little shocked that they're not starting this at four o'clock central, uh five o'clock uh you know central so six Eastern. I understand, especially on the East Coast, you got to give people time to actually, you know, get from point A to point B with it being actually on a Tuesday night. You know, people work, everything else. But man, to you, you know, try to maybe think about strategically, you know, placing these games in the right time zones to where you could actually start at 4 p.m. and actually then end at 10 p.m. for or Eastern for the last game. But who cares? Nevertheless, I mean, we're going to have a hockey 
for geez, I mean, it's going to start, we're going to have hockey for seven to eight hours. Uh, and it's uh, going to be a lot of hockey. Yeah. So that, that can only be a good thing. And I, I echo your thoughts, JT, a, we shouldn't expect that it's just going to go smoothly. Things like this probably don't. Um, I would imagine that uh, people shouldn't go into the mindset thinking, well, it's either going to be really, really great or it's going to be really, really bad. It's probably going to be honestly somewhere in the middle. It will be interesting to see how they do it. I'm with you. I believe they will cut into a lot of games for power play time. And then as goals happen while they're actually on one team or one game for a power play, they'll cut in and show a little clip of that. They'll go to another power play. That, that's my thought. They're going to just want to see scoring. Scoring's up in the league anyway. It always is. I mean, uh, I mean, so that, that's happening every single year. So I don't think there'll be any shortage of goals, especially with 16 games or 16 teams, 32, uh, 16 games, 32 teams going right now. So uh, it's going to be pretty, pretty exciting. Yeah, definitely interesting to see how it goes. I'm going to be watching a lot of hockey tomorrow on top of doing podcasts and everything else. I'm going to definitely have, uh, have that on. So let's jump into our five on three, two man advantage. Our toast takes is our new segment. We're doing our first thing up our number, uh, our number two topic outside of the frozen frenzy, the Detroit red wings, my Detroit red wings. Let's jump into the hockey pers- perspective uh, to kind of start things off here. Five and one record. They've won five straight games, lead the league with 30 goals, five goals a game, lead the league with a plus 15 goal differential, won by two or more goals in all five of those wins. The Red Wings are off to a hot start. So uh, you, you have to ask yourself as a Wings fan, you probably do, like, are you out of the rebuild? And uh, I would have to think that, yeah, if you aren't out of the rebuild, boy, you actually have one foot out of it. And it's almost as if you're getting out of the bed <laughs> and, uh, you know, your, your feet are almost touching the ground. I mean, so I would imagine a rebuild um, is still probably ongoing. However, um, this is a playoff team. Uh, right now, they look like a playoff team. The only thing that would uh, concern me with the with the. Uh, um, wings down the down the line there is um, their goaltending holding up. But I tell you, they went and got a lot of defensive help. Uh, you know, they, they got a defensive uh, core with, uh, you know, Mort Sider, uh, young, exciting uh, defenseman. Uh, ben Sherratt, uh, you know, a veteran there. They go out and get Shane Gossester as well, who's an offensive defenseman. And then they got veterans like Mata and Jeff Petrie as well. You know, these guys actually have been part of winning organizations in the past. And that's really helped them kind of blanket and protect that that goaltending, which, again, I don't think it's bad. I just don't think it's great. Um, but, man, when you got centers like Larkin and, man, Cop is really, really doing well. He's putting a, uh, the uh, puck on the net quite a bit. Um, that's a guy that's kind of – you know, he, he had some time and uh, Winnipeg, if I actually remember right. And uh, he, he wasn't bad. He's a third line guy, but really is really finding his footing um, with Detroit. But boy, uh, DeBrinkett and Raymond for wings. And then you got depth pieces like uh, David Perron. Um, you know, he's a, he's a veteran. But JT Comfer actually coming over from uh, Colorado. Uh, Comfer, again, been part of a winning organization, knows how to win. Mm-hmm. And then Daniel Sprong actually coming over. Uh, I remember him being with Washington a couple years back. And I don't know if he was actually with them when they won the cup, but he very well may have. And so, again, you got guys that actually know how to win coming in there, setting a culture. I, I really, really like what the Wings are doing. It's hard not to talk about them right now. Um, I mean, they're, they're not one of the three teams that are undefeated in the league, but they look, they look the most impressive. Let's just say that. 
Yeah, I'm surprised at, with all the new pieces they've added, how quickly they seem to have come together. That's been the big surprise for me. I, I came into the season, um, you know, not super, super high expectations, still thinking we're still in that rebuild. Um, but I definitely was looking at like, hey, I like the guys they've added. They've added some veterans. They've added some winners. Uh, can this team kind of pull it all together? I'm just shocked that they're doing this from the very beginning. So uh, for me, I just, I thought it would take a little more time, but man, they have looked like a team that's played together for a lot longer than five or six games. Yeah, definitely agree. Definitely agree. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch. I kind of wish I was a wings fan right now, but again, I watch him for you. Uh, when my Hawks actually aren't on or I'm actually doing well, I'll, I'll turn the wings on and I'll definitely watch those games. Now let's jump in to the fantasy perspective of this. I've had a lot of these guys on my team, on some of our dynasty teams, on some of our keeper leagues. And the most frustrating thing from a fantasy perspective is the Red Wings just have not been able to score the last couple of years. I mean, you've got guys like Dylan Larkin, who you know is a quality player, but man, he is just doesn't put up the fantasy points at the rate you would like. And I and I've said this for years. I don't think it's him. It's just they couldn't score as a team. They just had no offense whatsoever. And so the fact that they're out there leading the league in scoring has got me not only as a Red Wings fan fired up, but it's got me fired up as a fantasy owner, knowing that some of these young guys that we've been kind of holding on to waiting to explode on the fantasy scene, it's finally their time. So top two scores in the league, as you mentioned, uh, through the first week and a half uh, to two weeks of the season here. Um, and I mean, Larkin has three goals and eight assists, 11 points in six games. Uh, what's really impressive, um, 27 shots on goal. And we talked about that uh, during the last show, 27 shots on goal. Uh, I know this has got never, he has never been a guy who doesn't shoot, but he's shooting at a very high rate now. And what I really like JT is he's shooting 11% right now, which is right at his career average. So he's not, he's not, uh, overproducing. You know, from a shot perspective, it appears to be sustainable. Uh, so, I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better start with Larkin. But before we get into Brinkett, what I'll, I'll say is watching a lot of these um, uh, Red Wings games right now, Larkin and Brinkett, they look like they've been playing together for years. It's really impressive. I mean, so comfortable. We talked about in the last show how comfortable Brinkett actually looks playing with Larkin. Larkin, and they look like they're having an absolute blast, and they should. The league, in, uh, the league in scoring right now. Uh, Debrinket, th- think about this. Eight goals in six games to come out. Four assists, 12 points, 19 shots on goal. Okay, he's shooting near 50%. Will that be sustainable? No, no, it won't be, but who cares? <laughs> Enjoy it. What a start this guy's actually had. I mean, he's hit 41 goals two times in his career. And I watched him play with the Blackhawks for a few years, you know, almost every single game. And he looked very, very comfortable with Patrick Kane and Kane actually finding him with that pass across the slot and him actually being on that left side and getting those one timers. He's actually doing that, but he's also scoring in many different ways with the wings on many different parts of the ice as well. I'll tell you when he was with the Hawks, 80% of his goals we're literally actually sitting there waiting for one-timer passes from Kane across the ice. He is scoring in multiple ways right now. It's pretty fun to watch. Uh, th- this, man, uh, can they sustain this throughout the entire year at this pace? Probably not at this pace, but, man, I guarantee they're going to have great seasons. 
we talked about in our draft show. I went out in our keepers league and I went a little early. I'm Derricat in the second, and I'm loving it. I, I told you I was like, maybe I went just a little early on him. I didn't think he would get back to me, and I was fired up about him being on the wings. And I totally made a homer pick. And so far, it's working out for me as I had one of the top scoring teams week one in our home dynasty league or our home keeper league. And uh, I was pretty pumped about the first week of the season with him you know, leading my team and scoring uh, off to a great start. So at least for now, I do not feel like I feel like I'm smart as opposed to someone who just overdrafted uh, players on team on their team. So I, I love that start from him and, and it's been great from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. And let's talk about one thing from a fantasy perspective as it pertains to um, uh, Red Wings. Um, Larkin owners, uh, he's not going anywhere. Um, you guys want to entertain trading him. Uh, he uh, needs to stay on your team, um, especially in category leagues as well. You know, he has a, uh, you know, that, that face offs, uh, he's getting the goals, he's getting the assists, um, the shots on goal, all of that. Um, and he's even doing it in head to head points leagues as well. So, but the, the guy to talk about, and I know this sounds crazy, um, and I'm not su- suggesting should anybody should just go out here and after listening to this podcast, start uh, shopping Alex to bring it. You know, I mean, but look at where your other deficiencies are. And if you're super deep at forward, and if you're actually super deep at the the wing spots, and uh, you can say, hey, I could I could spare a guy like the because I'm so unbelievably deep. Now is your time to sell unbelievably high, just knowing that hey, he's not going to score sixty goals this year. Okay, my, my my thought is is does that mean he's not a great player or a good player? No, no, not at all. But the odds of him scoring sixty goals probably not going to happen. He's never actually scored fifty before, and again with the fifty percent shooting percentage, that's not sustainable. But it doesn't mean he's not going to score forty to forty five goals. But if you can sell high on him right now and get two pieces for one, and especially if it makes sense for your team, don't rule that out. Don't rule it out from a fantasy perspective. Uh, at least uh, take a look at that. Yeah, now let's jump into number three on our list, our gambling perspective. Larkin, me and you have been all over the Larkin shots, as you said. We've been taking the over shots on him. He's been crushing that number lately. What else betting-wise for the Red Wings do you see in the upcoming week? Yeah, so it's hard not to bet Larkin right now with the shots uh, because, again, uh, 27 of them. I mean, so in six games, he's actually averaging, you know, uh, nearly five a game there. I mean, that's amazing. Um, And I think – they still actually have some uh, platforms may have him at two and a half. My guess is he may be moved up to three and a half, but if you can get him at two and a half at uh, maybe plus uh, 165, 170, he's definitely a good uh, um, uh, parlay piece there, Larkin shots. But I really think that the win early on or uh, here in the season may end up taking uh, where you can take the assists, anytime assists for Lucas Raymond. And the reason Raymond's so, um, um, you know, a guy you actually want to look at here is because he plays on line one with Larkin and Debrinket. And uh, he may not be on that power play, but he's on that line. And he's got four assists in his first six games. And I guarantee they probably still have any time assist at plus 150 and maybe even a little bit higher on most platforms. So uh, 
that that may run out here in a bit. Uh, you may want to get on Lucas Raymond right away here in the next couple games and see if you can um, get him in the high plus 150 to 175 for an anytime assist and just hammer that. Um, stay away from him on the uh, power play points because, again, he doesn't uh, go on that first power play. But as uh, soon as uh, maybe David Perron falls on that first power play and Raymond actually moves up, that's when you'd want to jump on him. So when you're looking at these anytime assists, um, you definitely want to see um, – check out daily lines uh, and see, hey – is there an injury? Um, is there a, a line shakeup? And if there is, you can actually jump on those before the betting platforms have as well and actually sneak into those anytime assists. But Lucas Raymond is the play. Yeah, I love it. I love Raymond. He's a guy that I got late in our draft as well. We traded for him in our dynasty league. I just think he's got a ton of upside. And with, along with Larkin, now that they're actually putting up points, I just think you're going to see a lot of upside from those guys, fantasy and betting wise, now that they're on a team that can actually put up points. I mean, Larkin, we've always known Larkin's a really good player. He just didn't have the guys around him. And now right. he's got a Raymond. He's got Deborah Gandy, you know, he's got two stud young players on his line with him. And he's not having to just be the guy by himself. It makes a huge difference. So I'm loving where the Red Wings are going. I hope they'd be able to keep it up. Now let's jump into our number three here of our five on three, two man advantage. We're going to go the opposite side of the Red Wings, the Edmonton Oilers. They are not off to the start that we thought they would be. Most of the league thought they'd be one, three and one so far, only 13 goals scored through five games on a team that we expect to put up a ton of points. Uh, nine minus seven goal differential, it's just been a crazy start to Edmonton. What is going on with the Oilers? Well, I, I tell you, JT, is uh, the Oilers have looked frustrated through their first five games of the season. Um, it started with watching their first game, and we talked about this on the previous show. They were absolutely blown out in their first game of the season. And their stars, McDavid and Dreisaitl, they were in and out of the box. I believe it was an 8-1 drubbing. I, I can't even remember who they played, honestly. It's been – I've watched so and much Vancouver, hockey. And, and, yeah, yeah Vancouver, that's right. The first yeah. two games of the year, yep. Yeah, and and I tell you what, man, they were visibly frustrated taking stupid penalties in and out of the box. You could just tell. I haven't seen that type of body language out of McDavid and Dreisaitl. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Uh, I mean, so that was the game number one of the season. Um, now, they, they just lost uh, over – the uh, the weekend to the Winnipeg Jets at home 3-2. Um, after that game, nothing went right in that game for multiple reasons. We're actually talk about that here. But after the game, Leon Dreisaitl um, was actually uh, asked a question by a reporter. I think it was specifically regarding a uh, play of Stuart Skinner. And he absolutely just snapped at the reporter. Um, and, and I would say that's probably a little out of character for him. And not only is it out of character for him, but it's out, out of character to do that on game five. Okay, game five of the season <laughs> to actually be snapping reporters. It's actually over social media. Um, people are making a big deal about it. And then even the same um, um, after um, the, the game, uh, Evander Kane uh, was doing a post-game interview and called his own head coach out uh, for his low time on ice and said, well, it w he went ahead and got eight minutes in the box uh, for fighting, eight or ten minutes on, in the box for fighting. He's like, well, I might as well go ahead and get in a fight because I wasn't really putting a whole lot of time on ice. So I might figure out I might as well go and just hang out in the penalty box instead. 
for a team who has Stanley Cup aspirations and really it's kind of cup or bust for this type of team here based on where their window's at right now. Nobody saw this actually happening. I mean, so there must be some major issues going on there in Edmonton. I mean, yeah, you got to think that uh, the continuity of that team's just not where it needs to be right now. I agree with you. It, they've got me worried. Uh, they've got me worried. They just look out of sorts. They look like the pressure. I mean, you're five games in a year. They already look like the pressure is getting to them um, to, to win a cup, to be in the mix. I don't like when guys are talking like this early in the season. I mean, it's a long, hard road in the NHL. We know that. It's a long, long season. And when guys are getting this frustrated already a couple games in, oh, man, you just don't want to see a team melt down. And we know there's a ton of talent on this team, ton of talent. But all it takes is a crack, one crack where the things start going wrong and this team could be terrible. I mean, they really could be. Uh, so Edmonton, we'll talk about it here in a second on the betting portion, but, man, they're a team that's got me a little worried uh, as far as overall in the NHL. I do not feel good about them right now. Let's talk about fantasy perspective. The, usually, if anything you can count on the Oilers is fantasy production. You know you're going to get points. You know you're going to get scoring. You know that the offensive guys are going to show up for you, and at least if they lose – it's going to be an exciting game where they give you points of fantasy. That hasn't necessarily been the case to start of the season. Uh, no, no, it hasn't, uh, JT. Not to their standards. Um, and really, it's going to be a tough go of it here over the next uh, week or two. Because not only did you have uh, the losing at home versus the Winnipeg Jets, and you had Dry Saddle snapping the reporter, you have Evander Kane actually calling out the head coach and acting like a fool like he normally does anyway. But then it's announced right after the game um, or not after the game, but this morning anyway, that Connor McDavid's actually been out one to two weeks with an upper body injury. I can never remember McDavid uh, besides his rookie year ever being hurt and ever actually missing any time. Um, and this isn't significant time. Again, when we say hockey, one to two weeks really means maybe <laughs> three games, <laughs> four games, maybe, but you never know. And here's why I'm a little concerned with that. Um, McDavid, even though he's got two goals, uh, six assists, um, you know, that's eight points through five games. I mean, still, that's still amazing. He just does not look like himself on the ice. Um, I mean, normally he has no problem going around uh, other players with ease. Um, everybody else is kind of standing in motion. Put it this way. Um, normally he looks like a 10 out of 10 on the ice. Right now he actually looks at a 9 out of 10 on the ice. And you're thinking, well, that's still pretty good. A 9 out of 10 is still amazing. And actually the majority of the league isn't even at that. Absolutely not. But, man, you can tell with that 10%. You can really, really tell that something's up mm -hmm. with him. He does not look like himself at all. And really, with without McDavid, my opinion is the Oilers are just an average team without McDavid. Uh, they got good players in Ryden, Nugent Hopkins, you know, Evander Kane. They got a superstar in Leon Dreisaitl, um, and they got a young defenseman in Evan Bouchard. But we talk about how top-heavy they are. And without McDavid, you know, they lose their identity as a team. You know, uh, Dryside will actually really relies on McDavid a lot to actually drive play, uh, to actually get him the puck so he can be on that right bumper for those one-time goals. He wouldn't actually have that. And with their shaky goaltending, because Jack Campbell and Stuart Skinner have not been good. And Jack Campbell, he's the one with the big contract, uh, $5 million a season and whatnot. And man, He's no good. He's just not. Uh, and he's definitely, they've always had goaltending issues over the, over the years. So 
I am very, very concerned with them without McDavid. Hopefully he actually, uh, you know, comes back in short order. Uh, for, for fantasy owners that have McDavid or are looking for any type of plug while McDavid's out, I don't have anything for you. Uh, I, yeah. I really don't see any viable pickups given McDavid's absence. I mean, who are you going to go get? Warren Fogel? <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the, for people that are actually on the mm. waiver wire, I just don't see it. Uh, I mean, you, you've had, uh, um, you know, players that play with McDavid in the past, like Kyler Yamamoto. He was always a big time pickup for people. And guess what? He never did produce either. So I, from a fantasy perspective, um, I'm a little concerned, especially with those. Uh, one more thing on fantasy here, JT, especially with those um, owners who had number one pick and redraft leagues and they picked McDavid and then they couldn't actually draft again until the snake come around in the second and third and had to wait a while. They're really, really feeling it right now. I'm actually in mm. one league where I actually had that. And man, does my team look bare in the cupboard? Because I expect McDavid to be the output of two players in one. And right now, he's really only been a player of one player output, and now he's actually injured. Yeah, and this just kind of popped in my head as we're talking about that. This Edmonton team reminds me of like the mid 2000 Indianapolis Colts for a football reference. You know, super top heavy. You got Manning, you got Harrison, you got Wayne, you got Edwin James, and then it's just a drop off a cliff. It's like mm-hmm. those guys and no one else. And if any of those guys get hurt or any of those guys miss team, miss time, it's a disaster. And then again, on the defensive side slash goalie side, they're just not great on defense. They're relying on the offense to help the defense out. They remind me of that. It's like if you get McDavid yeah. not playing at top speed, that's like sitting Peyton Manning. That's like all of a sudden Peyton Manning's missing games. And all of a sudden you're going, hey, I, we had this high-powered – stud offense that everything was relying around him running the system, him making everyone better. And then you take that guy out of the mix. What do you get? The Colts finished dead last in the league. That's what you get with the Oilers. You take out McDavid out of that group. And it's like a Leon Dreisaitl. You're a Marvin Harrison without Peyton Manning. I mean, you Leon Dreisaitl is still a stud guys, an absolute beast, but he doesn't have his Peyton Manning. It's a, it's a disaster for the Oilers yeah. if if McDavid isn't McDavid. I mean, it really is. It would have me nervous as can be from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, it's not like you don't believe in dry saddle to not be able to do it, or the, the but he's you've good, never had this. You've never you seen something. it, right? Yeah, he's you've just give never you seen something. It. He's just yeah. not gonna be what you think of Leon Drysaddle when he doesn't have McDavid there. That's that's the issue. I mean, it's it's so it yeah, the Oilers fancy perspective. Hopefully McDavid gets back to going, but it's a it's a little worrisome. Now let's jump into the gambling perspective because this is a team we love to jump on for all kinds of prop bets. We're always on Edmonton. It has not worked out well so far to start out the year because of the struggles. We talked about it. You know, usually we're on dry side, we're on McDavid. Kind of what do you what are you thinking right now as far as uh, moving forward with McDavid out maybe a week or two? Uh, where do we go gambling wise here? Yeah, I, I would say I'm a little nervous betting Oilers here in the next week or two. Uh, but if I were going to, um, especially on those slates where I can't find anything else I really like. You do wonder if Leon Dreisaitl's shot on goal um, um, pace is going to increase here without McDavid. 
now. Uh, it's still um, predicated on McDavid getting him the puck. There's other people that can get him the puck as well. And are they going to be able to disjoin it without McDavid? That's an understatement. Absolutely, they're going to. So it'll be interesting to kind of see. Uh, but if that first game without McDavid, if Drysaddle actually uh, comes out and actually puts on six shots on goal, and you just kind of see that, hey, he's uh, willing to try to up his play and really uh, play some inspirational hockey here for this team, especially in a time of need at 1-3-1, and one, then I would definitely go ahead and uh, jump on the dry side or shots on goal. They'll have that over three and a half, but anytime you get him over three and a half, um, it'll be in the in the plus range. It'll be at the plus 120, plus 125, where uh, McDavid, at, at over three and a half shots on goal, he'd be at like minus 165. And I tell you, JT, the, the one reason why I kind of knew maybe McDavid wasn't himself as well uh, he had zero shots on goal. Maybe it cost me a parlay like it always does, uh, but zero shots on goal in the previous game. I'm like, you know, kind of like the Ovechkin thing that actually happened where he yeah, we had him and, that. We had him and Ovechkin, and I was like, in a million years, could you imagine no. the same night betting shots on goal and those guys both getting zero shots on goal? I mean, I was like, you couldn't, the odds of you betting that the other way would have been astronomical that neither one of those guys gets a shot on goal. It was crazy. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, yeah. McDavid only went one game all last season without a single shot on goal. Uh, I mean, and if you counted up his games where he didn't score a point, uh, I would want to guess that out of the 82 games, uh, that those are in the single digits where he maybe only didn't score a point like an eight of them. You know, so uh, so that's why, like, for McDavid – um, betting the over the, the two assists are over at plus like 150 or 160. This is such a great play because he touches the puck. He's on every single play. So it'll be interesting to see what dry can do with the shots on goal. Um, he has been on a tear scoring the puck right now. Um, so, I mean, right now he's at 18 shots on goal through five games. So, uh, with even with McDavid there, um, he was, he was nearly the four shots on goal per game, but again, Who's going to get him the puck? And we'll have to kind of see how that goes with game one. Um, Evander Kane's going to move up in the power play one um, in McDavid's absence. And right now, Edmonton last year, they had the historical uh, run of the best power play in history of the game at 30%. And um, that, that was a record. You know, so right now, so far, they're at 30 percent, but it's so early in the season. I mean, you got some teams at 50 and 60 percent, which is absolutely insane. So, of course, that's not sustainable. Um, so um, I would think with Evander Kane moving up the power play of one, this is still a very good power play. And so now I would actually look to see if the gambling platforms have not actually caught on to this, which they probably will. But if they hadn't, you need to look at Evander Kane for over a half power play point. And this and over over the next few weeks, and especially the first game coming out tomorrow. Check it out. See if Evander Kane is actually like something ridiculous, like plus four hundred for an over power play point. Jump on that. Definitely yeah, jump on absolutely. that. Put twenty five bucks on if you need to. Heck, put ten dollars on it for forty. Uh, I mean, that's the way to actually go. So uh, I'll be looking at that number tomorrow morning. Absolutely. Well, and, and make sure, like we always tell you, jump on our X page. Look at. Toast at Toast Clark at JT Orange. We always post our toast takes, uh, plays of the day. So make sure you jump on there and take a look at that. Let's move on to our number four on our five on three here the New Jersey Devils. We mentioned them last show in the recap. Hockey perspective, Devils 
played only four games so far this year, minus two one and one record, but they've looked pretty good. Average nearly four goals a game. Only team also to beat Detroit so far. Every game they've been, they've been close. Everything's been decided by one goal. Every game has been over six and a half total. They're going with a 50 50 goalie share uh, at this point in time. This is a team I know you like, Toast, and I know I like. I This is a team I've talked about, you know, hockey's perspective. What are you liking here with New Jersey so far to start the season? Oh, man. Um, so they just look scary good um, with Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt. Nico Hishier hasn't even got going yet, and neither has Timo Meyer. Um, and just to think about those guys pedigree, um, and they really haven't even done anything yet, but that just goes to show you how I, I mentioned in the last show, how Jack Hughes, he is a superstar now. And this is now given the start he's actually had and given what he did last year, um, being over hundred points in the league, he is a superstar in year four. I mean, so they are so much fun to watch. They're almost, uh, as electric right now is actually watching Edmonton and when Edmonton is actually right. And that just goes to show you how fun they are to actually watch. And you even got guys like Dawson Mercer who haven't actually got going yet. Uh, I mean, so, and you got younger guys like Alexander Holtz are actually going to play uh, a role eventually with his team. Um, Luke Hughes, who's another uh, young defenseman, uh, Jack's brother. Um, you know, he's actually seeing power play one time um, at, at times. We even got uh, Dougie Hamilton as well. So from a hockey perspective, yeah, they may only be two, one, and one, but man, they've looked dominant. <laughs> they've looked dominant. Uh, so, um, unfortunately, Vanasek and Schmidt uh, really haven't been great so far, and that's why a lot of their games have actually went, or every game's actually went, uh, the seven goals or more. You know, so far. So, uh, um, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But man, still, regards from a hockey perspective, Jersey is uh, is is much watch. Uh, they're uh, they're eye candy. And there's no doubt about it. Yeah, and that leads us into the fantasy perspective on this. Jack Hughes, we know, you know I love him. We made a trade in our dynasty league a couple years ago to trade up in a draft, and we took Jack Hughes, and everybody kind of was wondering what we were doing. They were looking at us, and I'm like, if this is any other year, this guy would have gone so much higher. I'm like, because it was a year after he had been the number one pick. He didn't have a monster first year. No, he no. kind of <laughs> dropped in a few couple people's minds, and I'm like, dude, this is the best time to buy him. I'm like, we should jump on this guy right now. I'm like, you tell me the one one NHL pick is just sitting there. I, I can't even remember what round we were in, like four or five. It was something ridiculous. And I was like, we got to trade up and get this guy. And we did it, and people were questioning us. And now that move looks amazing. It yeah, was it, exactly what we talked about. We're like, hey, this, this guy is going to end up being – a superstar and if you can get him now and sit on him you might overpay for the moment but you're gonna it's gonna pay off in the long run and he is just everything i thought he could be man he he is starting to really produce they finally have a good he, he feels like larkin with me he finally has a good team around him other players and now he can really step up fantasy wise another guy i have on our keeper league which i love to say a uh, guy i've been keeping Tell me about fantasy wise, Devils. They they feel like you said. I kind of feel like they feel like the the East Coast uh, Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, so Jack Hughes did actually have a rough rookie season 
Um, but when he came into the league, I believe he was 17 years old. Um, he never mm-hmm. did actually go to the minors. Uh, he came right in and actually played. I think he, if I remember right, and I don't, I'm, I'm decent with numbers, so I kind of remember stuff, but I think he had seven goals, 14 assists in his rookie year for a guy that I wasn't saying he was marked a generational talent like uh, uh, McDavid and Matthews and Bedard actually, but man, he was barely like he was one step away from that. And uh, for him to come out in his rookie season and only put up 21 points in a full season, full season, it was bad. But I tell you, you, you hit it on the head, JT. It's because he had nobody around him. Uh, New that Jersey was, was actually awful. bad. Oh, yeah, yeah they, they were real bad. They were super bad. Uh, they they um, were right in the middle of a rebuild as well. And that's why it was so important for the Hawks this year with Bedard to come out and really, uh, you know, sign a guy like Taylor Hall. And now Hall is not a world beater by any means at all, but he's a former number one pick. He's very serviceable. Um, he actually uh, would, would definitely, uh, uh, you know, serve Bedard well. And then you go out and get veterans like Nick Foligno and Corey Perry, um, to actually, you know, help along with the maturation process or whatnot. That's kind of what New Jersey should have done with Hughes back in his rookie season. But guess what? In rear four, it doesn't matter. It makes a difference. He's got four goals and six assists in four games, 10 points in four games. And um, uh, Jesper Bratt, who's actually playing with it as well, three goals, five assists, eight points in four games as well. And what I was saying from a fantasy perspective as well, uh, you know, is, is this going to slow down for Brat once Nico Heeshear and Timo Meyer happen to get going? In my opinion, it won't. It's not like he's actually taken away chances from Meyer and Heeshear as well. I mean, I think they've just yet to get going, and I see Brat and Hughes to continue their pace. I mean, so now are they going to go ahead and, and play at this pace where they're actually pacing for 175 points a piece? Of course not. You know, but would Hughes actually pacing? Would it shock me at all right now? He gets 125 points this year and Brad's actually at 95 points. Absolutely not. And you get Heeshear, who's down there maybe at 75 points and Timo Meyer probably somewhere in the same way. Would that shock me if you actually had four guys over 75 points? That's not even counting Dougie Hamilton. No, it wouldn't actually at all. So these slow starts by Meyer and Heeshear again. If you're fantasy managers and you're actually looking to go ahead and buy low instead of sell high, you're looking to buy low, buy low on Nico Heischer, who has zero points in these four games. All right. And then Timo Meyer as well, who's kind of been in and out of the doghouse so far, but also been moved up to the top line with Jack Hughes. Do not hesitate to go out there and sell somebody that's actually overperforming to actually get one of these guys here on what was a high octane offense. So I uh, love those two guys who go target in fantasy. Yeah, let's jump into the gambling perspective here on the New Jersey Devils. So far, like you said, the goals, the goalies have not played great. So every game has been going over six and a half. We haven't jumped on. We always talk about it early season. We don't like to jump on a lot of actual games. We like to take player props until we kind of get a feel for what's happening with certain teams. But over six and a half goals, the schedule coming up, Montreal, Washington, Buffalo, Minnesota twice, St. Louis, and Chicago. I feel like there's a betting window here for the Devils. Yes, there is, uh, JT, with the over six and a half total goals per game combined for the teams. Um, And you can get that probably in a neighborhood of, they're going to put it at 115, 120, minus 115, 120, somewhere around there. Um, Your window to do that is uh, in the next two weeks. 
because after this two weeks, then New Jersey happens to get into some really, really good teams and some really good defensive teams as well. That has a pedigree to actually go pretty far in the NHL playoffs um, and really maybe even compete for the president's cup as well. So, or a trophy as well. So, I mean, when you, you're playing the likes of Washington right now coming up this week, they're awful. Uh, they are so bad. Uh, Buffalo has not got their footing underneath them. Lost 3-1 today uh, to Montreal at home. <laughs> that doesn't Killed look me. too darn good at all. Killed uh, me Minnesota- in a parlay. Uh. Yeah, I, I saw that. I saw that. You know, and, 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 and Minnesota's a good team, but they haven't really defended well so far as well. And we know what St. Louis and Chicago are right now, right? I mean, St. Louis is not even rebuilding, and they're awful. That's how bad they are. And Chicago, at least actually, I tell you, for the Hawks, they've actually played good defense, and they've got great goaltending so far. Uh, so, but But you look at these next – Six to seven games for them. That over six and a half. Really look at that. Put that together. Hammer that because I really think if you were to bet that every single day with all these, you're going to end up hitting at a 75% rate for that. Um, uh, Jack Hughes' shots on goal doesn't really appear to be slowing down either. He's still going to be over three and a half at a minus 165, somewhere around there. 22 shots on goal to four games. Uh, let's just hope that doesn't go to four and a half anytime soon. Um, but maybe who knows? Maybe that will end up being a blessing because if he ends up going to four and a half, it's going to be at plus money. It's going to be at plus 110, 115. And he's shooting so much, maybe that'll be the good play. So, but just watch Jack Keys with the shots. I would continue that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's something we've been uh, hammering hard here the first couple of weeks of the season. Uh, and I love that. I love sticking on Jack Hughes. If you're on FanDuel, they. DraftKings a lot of times will give you just a set shots on goal. You can take over or under. FanDuel sometimes will give you a chance to take one plus shot, two plus shots, three plus shots, four plus shots, five plus shots. So you can get a little bit of an advantage there sometimes. So take a look, uh, depending on what betting p- platform you're on. Definitely take a look at that because sometimes you can take that that less shots at two you know, minus the money or you feel really good about them that night. You can take it at like plus five. Uh, um, and, and get plus money. So always take a look at those, kind of look around on some of those formats because it does make a difference. Let's move on to our number five on our five-on-three two-man advantage. It is the Boston Bruins. Hockey perspective, maybe the surprise team of the year after scoring all-time high 130 point, 135 points, excuse me, winning 65 games maybe taking a little bit of a step back this year. Yeah, I, I step back was expected, uh, you know, and for various reasons, again, you never uh, expect a team to duplicate that, that when they put the, uh, the most points in league history for a regular season on the board in 65 games. I used to think that, man, if a team wins over 50, they're just like amazing 65 games. They won outright. Um, and then last year, you had Linus Olmark. He was a Vezina Trophy winner as goalie there. And you, again, expected this year there's going to be a step backwards because that's going to be really, really hard to replicate. You know, Linus Olmark's actually been a really, really good goalie of his career, but he's actually never been elite, ever, ever. And uh, you expected him to take a step back. Even so, uh, uh, a six-time uh, Selkie Award winner, Patrice Bergeron, future Hall of Famer as well, and David Krejci, they both retire. And, uh, and you actually also have a team in Boston that's up against the cap. Again, you expect a step backwards, you know, at some point. But guess what? They've won their first five games of the season. JT, I, I didn't really see this happening. 
I was shocked. I'm shocked at this team. I thought there would be a, a little bit of a downplay. I figured this team would would you know struggle, especially getting upset in the playoffs last year. I just thought, hey, maybe they'll come out a little bit of a rut. But man, they've actually looked pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I tell you, um, as, as far as their first five games go, um, and I'll go ahead and just mention it now. Is gonna talk. We'll talk about a little bit more in the gambling perspective here as well. But one thing I will say is they've had a pretty when I, I don't know if there's any such thing as a cake schedule in the in, in NHL. It seems like every single team for the most part brings it on any given night. It's not like this is the NBA, <laughs> you know, where you're just like a lot like exactly. gagging around and like taking nights off and don't even care if you lose. That's not the mentality of this league, but you know, this first five games of the season, their schedule has actually been very beneficial to them. But man, I tell you what, they're they're You expect when you lose Bergeron and Krejci, you know, two of the leaders of your team and Bergeron's your captain, you're going to take take a step backwards. I don't care who you're playing. You assume that you're at least going to come out maybe three and two, two and three, find your footing a little bit. They look like they did last year right now. Yeah, I just uh, very surprised by this team. I they're making moves. I mean, I wouldn't count them out for sure. I mean, obviously a couple changes like you said, but this team, this team is solid. They're going to be back in the mix again. Fantasy perspective. Pashanak, five goals through five games. He's a guy, you know, everybody wants on their fantasy team. 23 shots on goal. Who else are we kind of looking at fantasy-wise that's off to another good start for Boston? Yeah, the usual suspects. Uh, you know, Marshan has got four goals with seven points through five games. Um, really, what I'm surprised with him, he's got over, ni- I think, 19-15 time on ice average per game at a 35-year-old. So, you know, cannot be sustainable. Maybe he was a late bloomer in the league, you know, so uh, maybe he just doesn't really have all that, you know, wear and tear on his body. It's not like he's Steven Stamkos and actually been in the league a million years, you know. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, Marshawn's been in the league a long time, but nevertheless, he's never been, uh, he's never reached his potential like where he's at now until later on in his career. But 19 minutes time on ice at age 35, who knows? Could that actually be sustainable again? Look at a guy like Marshawn. Could you actually move a guy like Marshan for somebody else who may be underperforming and get a two for one? Always look at that type of thing from a fantasy perspective. I would definitely not rule it out. Um, Linus Olmark, like we've mentioned him before, he's been a stud this year. Don't care about the competition who they've actually played so far, and they've played nobody. He's 3 0 with a 1 0 goals against average at 962 save percentage. Coming off a year where he had was 46. And one with a 189 goals against the average and a 938, he's even better than he was last year. I don't again minus the competition. So what I think JT from from a hockey perspective, from a fantasy perspective, what I can actually take from Boston is they have a culture there, right? They have mm-hmm. a culture. We actually know about it. They actually know what it takes to win. Uh, there is a swagger in that locker room. They got a tremendous leadership, and you got to think with what they did last year. Now, this pace may not be sustainable. Of course, they're not going to win all 82 games. But now, could they win over 50? And would that shock you? No. No, it actually wouldn't at all. So uh, I really like um, – and one more thing from a fantasy perspective, Pavel Zaka hasn't even did anything yet. Uh, he's their front first-line center that actually was never going to replace Bergeron, unless his face had or whatnot, but he kind of slid into that role. And he has scored no points through these uh, first five games, and they're still actually 5-0. and oh. Wait till he actually starts going a little bit again. That may be a guy that you actually want to look at 
and you could really maybe steal him and not give up a whole lot if you want to go ahead and get a guy like uh, Azaka. And now we're not saying he would actually lead your team from a fantasy perspective, but it could be actually one of those bottom pieces for your team to round it out. So, uh, but man, I tell you what, the, the, this team, they have culture there for sure. Yeah, let's jump in the gambling perspective here on the Bruins. Kind of opposite of the New Jersey Devils. This team is playing defense, and they've got goaltending. What do you think about coming up the next uh, week or so here? You know, what's the betting lines we're looking at? What are the things we think we want to jump on uh, heading into this week? Yeah, so um, so like I said, they they'd faced uh, so far. Boston's faced Chicago, Nashville, San Jose, the Kings, who are pretty good, and, and Anaheim. So four of those five teams are no good. All right, and uh, Boston's actually handled all of them. Uh, the total goals in all of those games, respectively, have been four, five, four. Six four, so they've been winning, like you said, with defense, with goaltending, and they're second in the league in power uh, uh, or power, uh, their their penalty kill percentage as well. So again, they're doing it the hard way. Um, but this week they face Chicago tomorrow during Frozen Frenzy, and that's in Chicago, and then they come back with Anaheim again on Thursday. I would hammer the under six and a half total goals on both of them. They're 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 a road. Um, favorite at Chicago. Chicago, surprisingly enough, has played very good defense. And their goaltenders have played out of their mind considering they're a team that's still rebuilding or whatnot. And Boston really hasn't been lighting the lamp like crazy, like we said, because they've been playing these low-scoring games. Tomorrow's under six and a half goal total at Chicago may be the play. So after these next two games, Boston's schedule really ramps up. And that's where we're going to really, really see how good they're going to be. Um, but while we're actually hitting the over with New Jersey, you're going to be doing the opposite with Boston. Yeah, I love that as a two-team parlay. Throw those together, the over on the Devils, under on the Bruins. I love it. You know me? That's why they call me JT Parlay. I got to parlay them. I got to get the gotta get those <laughs> plus odds. I love those plus odds. Now, our final face-offs of the day, kind of close out the show, our final thoughts. Anything you got for the the listeners, anything you're thinking fancy-wise, gambling-wise, you know, overall perspective to kind of end out the show? Yeah, let's talk just a, just a minute here for fantasy perspective, uh, JT, is um, there's a couple guys that are unbelievably good players, um, and uh, Philip Forsberg and Tate Thompson. Um, Forsberg in Nashville, he is their team. Um, him and Roman Yossi and UC Soros. So they kind of go, um, you know, with, with the wing, with the defenseman, and then with the center, I almost say they're like good up the middle, you know, even though he's not a center. But Forsberg's got 29 shots on goal. So I think he's in the top three in the league in shots on goal. He's only got one goal. He's shooting 3.4%. <laughs> so a lot of the leagues are going to be like, ah, Philip Forsberg hasn't done anything. That's just the opposite. Philip Forsberg's been awesome. He just hasn't got anything to show for it. So uh, I would actually go out in your leagues right now, try to fleece some managers that aren't really paying that much attention to the shooting percentage. And also thinking he's going to be playing on a Nashville team that really doesn't score a lot of goals and go ahead and go out and get Philip Forsberg right now. Uh, go out there and get him uh, again. We can go ahead and talk about like guys like the go ahead and offer a Debrinket for a Forsberg and also a good defenseman that two for one, if you can, Right, because people are gonna be like, "Oh man, eight goals out of Debrinket. I got to get me some of that." I only got one goals out of Forsberg, but Forsberg's actually shot eleven more shots on goal than Debrinket, and 
when healthy, and that's the issue with Forsberg, when healthy, he puts up a ton of goals. He's their best player by far. It's not even close. So uh, Forsberg's a guy you definitely want to look to actually buy low on right now. I would actually be looking at that if you're a fantasy manager. Tage Thompson's the same. Now, maybe harder to actually get Tage Thompson away from Buffalo, but man, Buffalo looks, they just, they, they're just, it's not happening for them right now. But it has nothing to do with Tage Thompson and, uh, you know, him actually playing bad because he hasn't played bad. 24 shots on goal. Only one goal to show, show for it. a 4.2 shooting percentage as well. I mean, he's probably played well enough, and I've actually watched some Buffalo games. I know he actually has as well to have five goals on the season, probably right now in those 24 shots and actually be closer to the 20%. You, you're thinking he's probably a 15% shooter on the year. So he should probably at least have four goals on there as well. And he's looking pretty darn good. And then maybe Buffalo isn't as bad as they've actually been so far. So again, don't look at guys just shooting. Uh, I'm sorry, don't look at guys just scoring goals and actually maybe even getting some assists and their power play production. I've always been a, a high proponent on looking at how many guys shoot the puck. Look at their shot production and their time on ice. If they're actually on time on ice 18 minutes plus a night and they're actually shooting the crap out of the puck and they're just had nothing to show for it, those are the guys you actually need to get on and actually try to get over on those fantasy managers because they're not looking at those deeper analytics. Yeah, that's what we've talked about. You know, if you own those guys, don't get crazy. Don't get rid yeah. of them. Don't nope. don't sell on low. Don't sell on them too early. But if you have other players in your league who are getting frustrated that these guys aren't producing early, now's the time to pounce. Now's the time to offer them something, try to jump in there, you know, get maybe something where they're like, oh, this guy's playing great. That guy's not playing very good. And you know it's going to even out as the season goes. We know in fantasy hockey – the talent rises. It almost always does. Those guys that are going to score are going to score when overall for the year. It's just there's highs and lows. You got to figure out when to sell, when to buy. So we talked about this early a couple episodes ago. You know, don't sell those guys. But hey, if you got guys that are nervous, go out there and push some of these other owners. Check them. See if they're willing to maybe give up on a guy early. Because there are going to be guys in your league that will do that. They will be upset that Tate Thomas has not been good. He's going to be upset that Buffalo's not been good. He's going to be like, oh, this team's terrible. I should unload this guy now. Well, take advantage of that. Get in on that guy. I mean, that's just smart fantasy ownership. That's the way you should be doing things. Yeah, and especially for those teams that have a stack of like Tuck and Thompson or Skinner and Thompson, and they're thinking, well, I, I don't really want both of them now because neither one of them is actually doing anything at all. Mm -hmm. Then those are the teams actually look at to have the stack to see if they're actually willing to go ahead and part with the better one. Um, and then you might say, hey, thinking for production-wise, you're giving up too much. You're not. You're not. You need to get a Tate Thompson on your team. You just have mm -hmm. to. And I agree with you because he's going to end up with 40 goals this year. That's a given. It's going to happen. <laughs> so, uh, But JT, let's, let's hope that tomorrow's frozen frenzy is not – a dud, when I say a dud, meaning the games themselves. Maybe not the telecast in the way they do it, but the games being 16 games, 32 teams playing. Let's hope it's not a dud compared to what it was at the NFL for the last couple of weeks, honestly. So yeah. watching the NFL, like the games just really haven't been all that good, especially two weeks ago. So let's hope we have some great hockey for tomorrow night when they kick that off. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know you are as well. Um, and that's going to about do it for us here on the stew with JT brew NHL around the ice with JT and toast. 
Thanks for joining us. Check us out every week, typically on Wednesday nights, but occasionally we'll throw a Monday show in there if we got something going on on Wednesdays. Uh, if you can't check us live on YouTube or on uh, X, make sure to download us the next day. We'll, we'll we download the show immediately afterwards. You can get us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you download your podcast. So thanks for joining us for Toast. I'm JT. We appreciate you guys being here and join us here on a special edition of NHL Around the Ice on the Stew with JT Brew. We appreciate it. Check you guys next time. Uh, you up on trades and why you move? You ain't designed to lose. Find you jumping over seemingly nothing, racking up points makes the game a little more fun to watch. Can drop release. We started with the mock draft and now we.